You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. I'm super pumped today to have my new homie, uh, Manny Gonzalez, with me today. Manny, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I wish, I mean, I'm super pumped, first of all, to be here. Praise God we're here. Guys, I wish you could see the process, <laughs> the, struggle. Of us, the struggle of how getting was. this to happen and like also just logging on in the camera. But dude, we're here. The Lord is good. We're going to get into this conversation. I'm super excited to just be here, guys. And Nathan's awesome, man. I'm excited to just share a conversation with him and with all of you, his listeners. So it's going to be good. Absolutely. I'm excited. You know, Manny's committed to being our, uh, or breaking the record for most curse words from a guest. So we're looking forward <laughs> to, to seeing that happen here today. Uh, dude, I, no, Lord, hold me back. Hold me back. No cursing. No cursing. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. No cursing, man. We're gonna, I love it. I, we're going to do it, man. Okay. Allowed, but not required. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Allowed, but not required. He said it's allowed. He sent me like this outline where he was like, it's allowed, but not required. And I was like, dude, that's dangerous. You open the space, <laughs> Nathan. You open the space. So that's we're going right. to challenge ourselves, though. We're not. We're going to challenge ourselves. I today, love it. So. Yeah, we'll try to avoid it today. That's, there you that's go. a good goal. Well, there you good, go. well, I'd love to just kind of start, you know, with a little bit of an overview of your life. You know, similar to what we were just kind of talking before this. I don't feel like I know a lot of the, the personal details of your life. Know more about kind of the ministry work that you do today. But would love to hear, yeah, where you're from, your kind of either conversion or reversion story and your journey with the Lord. And, and obviously, like what you're up to today in, in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. Um, Guys, God is good. Um, my story is not a perfect one. It's very messy. Um, but the Lord has just like taken the crap from my past, from the sin that I lived in, the sin that I'm still currently struggling with. And he's just like used it as, as fertilizer to really make something beautiful and good and like really just a garden of his glory, like through like the just mess of my life. Um, yeah, I'm excited to share that with you guys. So I was born in Dallas, Texas, born and raised. Southern boy all the way, um, which surprises people, I guess. I don't know why. Everyone's like, you don't look like a Texan. I'm like, I don't even, like, what am I supposed to do? I have, like, cowboy boots and a Trump hat. I'm like, I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. That's but, um, yeah, man. So, but I was born in Dallas, Texas um, to a very Catholic family, uh, cradle Catholic. Um, both of my parents were actually very involved in our parish at home. Um, my dad was a catechist for, like, 15 years. He taught the RCA program. So, he initiated people into the church. Um so the reason I give this background is to just say that like growing up, I was brought up 
on the faith. Um, I was brought up on the sacraments. I was taught very well who Jesus is, um, but I didn't know him personally. Um, and this especially, I guess, um, there's especially a, a void between the Lord and I um, when I came to the realization in about fifth grade while I was at Catholic Boys Private School um, that I experienced safe extraction, that I'm attracted to other men. Um, very quickly, this spiraled me into a, a deep hatred. I call it kind of the like threefold funnel of hatred. Um, a hatred for God because I was angry at him, right? I, I, I thought he had somehow bestowed this upon me. Somehow God had broken me. He had messed me up. He had somehow just like permitted this disgusting thing to happen to me. And I was, I was disgusted and I hated God for that. Um, I hated the church, the Catholic church, because I felt like the church was inviting me to something mundane and boring and unrealistic um, through her teachings mm -hmm. on, hom on homosexuality and just human sexuality in general, just chastity. Um, and then ultimately I hated myself because I thought somehow I had done something to deserve this. Somehow I had done something to allow myself to be attracted to other men in this particular way. Um, so long story short, um, it really spiraled me into rebellion against God, um, against um, the church, against my family, against uh, myself. Um, I actually got kicked out of Catholic private school number one, then Catholic private school number two. Uh, so I was wanted wow. on the Catholic private school list in North Texas. Um, and all this time, I was not telling anybody what was going on. It was very much suppression, isolation, um, just, again, just diving into hatred within myself. Um, and it was a very dark time for me as a young man. Um, and then going to high school, my parents eventually found out. Um, I had not planned to tell anybody until I left for college. I had this, like, unrealistic plan that was so stupid looking back on it. But I was going to, like, go off to college. And as I was going to walk to the plane or like walk into the airport to say bye to my parents, I was going to turn around and be like, I'm gay. And I was just going to walk away. And my mom and dad were just going to somehow have to process that. And it was like just this really problematic thought process. But that's why I convinced myself that's what's going to happen. Teenager logic. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't want mommy. Yeah. One of the biggest things I feared, man, was mom and dad finding out. Uh, mom and dad finding out because I didn't know how they would respond, especially as Catholics. I knew I knew what was going to come. I knew they were going to call me chastity. They were going to call me to holiness. I didn't want to hear it. Um, but mom and dad actually ended up finding out. Um, and the way they responded, I truly believe, had a huge role in my coming home to the church years, years later. Um, you know, I, I came to them in tears. And I just basically I expressed, you know, like, mom, dad, I think I'm gay. That was the language I used at the time. And we can get into that. But I, I said, you know, like, I think I'm gay. Um, and I don't want to go to hell. I don't know what to do. Um, and they just heard me and they didn't respond with like a um, celebration, you know, like they didn't pull out a pride flag and like, yeah, son, sure. get yourself a boyfriend. But they also didn't, you know, condemn necessarily and tell me, you know, like if you, you know, like pull out the catechism and slam it in my face, but like, if you don't do this, right. this and this, you're going to hell, you know, it's, they didn't say anything actually. They just held me in their arms while I cried. And it was very reflective for me looking back on like just the father's love. Like he doesn't, he meets us where we are. He doesn't let us stay there, you know, but he meets us in our mess and our brokenness. And mom and dad did that. Um, and obviously later on, you know, to condense my testimony, but later on they ended up coming around and kind of trying to walk with me in the Catholic faith and trying to push me towards pursuing a life holiness, but I didn't want it. So once mom and dad found out junior year of high school, I went off and I did my own thing. Cause I was like, now that mom and dad have found out, I have nothing to hide. So Senior year of high school, um, I was going to public school by then. I started telling people left and right. Uh, very much so became an identity thing where 
I was a gay man and that was how you saw me. That was how you loved me. You didn't love me for that. And if you didn't love what I was doing amidst that, um, then you didn't love me. You didn't receive me and I hated you. Um, and right. so by, by senior year, I was having boyfriends. I was sexually active with guys. I started a gay alliance club at my high school. Um, yeah. And it was just like full on blown in high school. And then two years of college, my first two years of college were community college in my Texas hometown. Um, it just got worse. Um, and when I say it got worse, what I'm saying is running away from the Lord, right? Not practicing my Catholic faith um, and then just diving into sin. So I want to emphasize with the listeners with you as well that like, it was not just homosexuality, okay? Like I was in a plethora of sin. Like I was selfish. I was prideful. I was partying recklessly. I was so involved in the party scene and the gay club scene in Dallas. Like I was living for vice, for myself. I did what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted didn't matter. Um, so when I talk about sin, when I talk about darkness, I'm not just talking about the fact that I was acting on my sexuality. Like there was so much more than just homosexuality in my life. Um, you know, what's so beautiful about Jesus is he was there amidst all of that. Like I know looking back, Jesus was still so patiently, generously, just like amidst the crap that I was in and just he, it's such a prodigal son story of like Jesus was sitting at the doorstep patiently waiting. Like father was like, I'm here and I'm ready whenever you want to come home. Um, that took a little bit. Um, like I said, my first years of community college got very involved in all kinds of stuff. Um, all the while I was still going to mass, you know, which I've repented since then, but still going to mass, still trying to balance this like Hannah Montana kind of esque, like best of both worlds. Like, Oh, I'm going to be Catholic, but I'm also going to go off and like, sleep with dudes and like party recklessly and do all this, you know, live this very earthly fleshly life. Um, and you know, Nathan, I would love to tell you that I was miserable, but the reality is, man, whenever I tell my story, um, I'm just straight up that sin feels good. <laughs> like if it didn't, man, we wouldn't be committing it. Right. Sex, whether it's in the proper context or not, it feels good. That's why so many people commit it outside the proper context. Most people commit it outside the proper context. Like That's partying true. felt Parting felt fun, you know, like at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and be like, oh, I was so miserable. I hated my life. You know, I kept doing it. But I hate it's like, no, like I had fun. I liked what I was doing, but I wasn't at peace. Like truly there were moments of happiness, but they were fleeting because um, there is a difference. We know as Christians um, between happiness and joy, happiness is earthly. It's fleeting. Yeah, exactly. It's temporary. But joy has a name. It's Jesus Christ. And I did not know joy. I did not know Jesus. Um so yeah, was I not miserable? No. But was I at peace? And was I satisfied? I wasn't. Um, and Jesus, just being the generous God he is, um, again, trying to condense my testimony for time's sake. But um, back in summer of 2018, kind of, uh, I had this moment with Jesus where it's really dramatic, but I'm Latino, so he knows he got to, I'm dramatic, so he got to talk to me in a really dramatic way, right? Um, God speaks our <laughs> language. And so um, one night I was sleeping and I just, um, I received from the Lord this like um, this image. I was woken up from my sleep and I received this image of um, it was like my heart and it was in this dark body of water. Um, and it was like this heart of flesh and it was sinking really, really quickly. Um, and I realized very quickly that it was almost like the Lord lifting the veil from my eyes and allowing me to just experience the depths of sin that I was in. And honestly allowing me to experience a very holy fear of like, I am on a path that is not taking me somewhere good. Um, and again, I want to emphasize, this is not just because 
I was sleeping with dudes and having boyfriends. Like it was just a plethora of sin. Jesus was like, look, man, this is where you're at. Um, and I was scared and people hear that and they think that's a mean God. It's like, no, like scripture is actually very clear of like, you know, one of the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit is like fear of the Lord. So it's like, no, that's not mean God. That's a God who loves me enough to show me and reveal to me where my soul, the state of my soul and where it's headed, you know, because none of us, he doesn't send any of us to hell. We choose it. And I have a God who's generous enough to show me like, look, man, you are choosing this for yourself. And I'm so merciful that I'm giving you a chance, but you got to see where you're at, man. Right. Yeah. And so, um, but I didn't know what to do because it's like, what the heck do you do if Jesus, if God, the creator of the universe talks to you in that way, how do you then change like dramatically? Like, how do you become a Bible thumper overnight? You know? And so I didn't tell anybody. Um, I didn't actually like, I told nobody that I had this image from the Lord. I just kind of kept it buried down. Um, and then my parents at community college. In, yeah, man. Yeah. Still, still community. Yeah. So still community college. Um, still living, living at home. Living? I was, I was living at, I was living at home, um, going to community college. I was, um, again, very involved like LGBT plus social circles in town, living the life I wanted to live. Your, what was the relationship with your parents like at that point? Yeah. Um, so my parents, um, so kind of going back to when I first, you know, like quote unquote, like came out to them. Um, mom and dad, um, a few days later, dad, very respectfully came up to me just very, again, very respectfully, very kindly kind of sat me down and was like, Hey man, um, you know, like, I don't really know how to like necessarily like walk with you in this. Do you want to talk to a priest about this? Maybe like get some spiritual direction. Um, so from the beginning, mom and dad were very like trying to respond in a Catholic way, trying to keep me rooted in truth. I went to this priest, he spoke truth to me. I hated it. Wanted nothing to do with it. Um, so after that, again, I very quickly, once mom and dad found out, I like, I broke loose. And so mom and dad, once, you know, I started having boyfriends, started, you know, just living the life I wanted to live. Um, they made it clear to me, um, as Catholics, you know, they were like, we love you, but you know, like we can't support you being in a relationship with a guy. We can't, you know, like they made it clear to me from the get go, um, pretty soon afterwards where they stood. But one thing mom and dad did really well, I'm very thankful for looking back. And I think it's the way many, all of us should respond is, they made it clear to me. And then that was it. It wasn't like a, Hey, every time we talk, I'm going to let you know that you're sinning and that you're going to hell if you keep this up. You know, it was like a, like, yeah, it was like mom and dad made it clear from the get go. And they made it clear. Like if you got questions, if you ever want to talk to us about this, if you ever want to hear our thoughts as Catholics, the space is open. But from then on, it was just like, all right, we made it clear to you what we think you made it clear what you think. Now we're just going to do our best to love you amidst all of this. And so that's how they were. And so, through that. Great. Yeah. Yeah, man. So it was definitely a response to grace and mom and dad, whenever I'm interviewed, whenever I give talks, they always like to emphasize, they tell me all the time, like Emmanuel, like that's what they call me, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, like make sure you emphasize it was not like, cause whenever I tell my story, people are like, Oh my gosh, your parents are such saints. They're such, and mom and dad always, you know, humbly like to emphasize, like it was hard, you know, like it was, it was hard for them and they suffered a lot through that, you know, just like the reality of their son leaving the church and, you know, um, yeah. but what was beautiful about them was they never let me see that. I never had to see mom and dad crying or, you know, they never made it obvious to me because that would have made me feel crappy, you know, of like, you're such a failure. You're like, you're not living the Catholic <laughs> life. You know, it's like that would have, and mom and dad were such humble, silent sufferers. Like they prayed and they suffered and they fasted silently for me. And here we are now. So that's awesome. Do you, yeah, did you have siblings or do you have siblings? I do. I come from a big old Catholic Latino family. Uh, we have, there's six of us total. And then my mom and dad, so there's eight of us 
including mom and dad. Um, I'm kind of the middle baby. I have okay. older sister, older brother, and then three younger brothers. Gotcha. So, wow. Yeah, so okay, but yeah. So go back. So jump back. You had this powerful no, experience. No, no, you're, anybody you're okay, Brett. No, you're okay, Brett. I love talking about my family. They're they're all good, and I love them a lot. So um, yeah. So but basically, long story short, summer 2018. Um, summer 2018, I had this this moment with the Lord. He revealed Himself to me. Revealed to me where I was at. I didn't know what to do with it, so I didn't tell anybody. Eventually, it kind of ate me alive because once God talks to you, how do you ignore that? Um, and so mom and dad very respectfully sat me down, kind of asked me what was going on. And I told them, like, I think God spoke to me. I don't know what to do. And so they tried. They tried to push me to get to, like, youth groups, trying to, you know, they really tried to equip me to try and turn my life around, quote, unquote. Um, and I hated it, man. I tried the Catholic thing for a couple of weeks. I tried the chastity thing. I was like, dude, this sucks. And summer of 2018, I made a conscious effort after the Lord revealed his face to me to look him in the eyes and be like, I don't want anything to do with you. And I want to do what I want to do, despite what you've revealed to me. And so that's what I did. In summer of 2018, I lived the most wildly, the most promiscuously, um, the most worldly life I think I've, you know, I lived. Um, I started exploring churches outside of the Catholic church that would affirm me in the life I was living. So that would tell me, you know, like, cause I want to compromise. I was like, all right, I want to be told I can sleep with men. I can have boyfriends. I can get drunk every night, whatever. But at the same time, I can still be, you know, a disciple. Um, I want a church that could tell me I didn't need to strive in, in all areas of my life. Um, and so I looked, I searched, and I, I just knew deep down that the fullness of the truth was not being given to me. I, I don't at all hate or give any remorse. You know, I don't at all remorse those brothers and sisters who, you know, I went to their churches. They were all very welcoming. I don't look at them with, you know, disgust or with judgment because I believe a lot of them gave me what they had or what they thought they had was the fullness. Um, but I knew it wasn't. And so, um, yeah. And then uh, just October 2018, it happened again, where <laughs> Jesus very dramatically, because he knows I'm a dramatic man. Um, he spoke to me. Um, this time was very clear. He said two things. Um, the first thing he said was like a, like a desperate, like a father, like, son, I need you. I need you. Come home. Um, and then the second thing I heard was time is running out. And so, um, that night I made a promise to Jesus. I was like, I don't know who you are. Apparently Chris Tomlin says you're a good, good father. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Thank you. I love that one. That one always lands. I'm like, yeah, thank you, Lord. Um, I was like, I don't know who you are, but everyone says you're really good. So tonight you better show me that you're good. Or I'm going to give the rest of my life to making sure people know you're a fraud, you're a liar, and making sure people don't follow you. And I don't know, I think that was the first real raw just prayer that I ever prayed in my life. And Jesus heard, he's clear, you know, that he's faithful. And that night, things slowly start shifting in my life. Um, some desires of mine dropped instantly. So like my desire to get like recklessly drunk every night, it was like, I had no desire for that anymore. My desire to smoke things just like dropped like that. Like some of these desires start dropping. Um, which allowed my reversion to slowly happen. It made it easier. The Lord equipped me to that. But I was still attracted to men. And I still am attracted to men. And that's a whole other, you know, conversation in itself of like whether like, do you think you know your your attractions will stay for whatever? Um, but here's how I look at it is at the end of the day, um, I believe that the Lord allowed and still allows me to carry this cross and to have this experience um of same-sex attractions. Because he knows that this is the one cross, the one thorn in my side that is just heavy enough, that is just enough to keep me at the foot of his cross, to keep me begging each day for just grace 
in mercy. And this is what was sanctifying me. Um, and so, yeah, so that was October, 2018. And by the grace of God, I celebrated four years um, this past October. So it's been a little over four years, more like almost four and a half years, I guess, by the time this airs since my reversion. Um, and it's been a journey, man. It's been, <laughs> it's been, a, it's been a journey. I mean, let me tell you when I tell my story, reversions like mine, first of all, don't happen overnight. It was months of just like being able to say no to certain situations, no to opportunities, distancing myself from social groups and from circles and from friends that weren't pushing me in holiness. I lost like 95% of my community. Um, cause everybody thought, you know, my best friends were telling me I was brainwashed by religion that, you know, Catholicism had brainwashed me that I would be back. I was told that constantly, you'll be back. You'll be back. Like I will see you again in six months yeah, in the gay club, you course. know? Um, so I'm not here to paint this. Like it's been easy. It was hard and it still is hard. Like being a disciple is difficult. Um, like I struggle every day. If it's not same sex attraction, it's my pride. If it's not my pride, it's gluttony. If it's not gluttony, it's jealousy. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. like that's the walk of a disciple, man. Yeah, like the devil, I, yeah, the devil yeah. messes it up. Yeah, yeah man, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, man. It's but all like, very like, similar, but it all, yeah, but you can yeah, mix it up. Dude, I'm like, honestly, I love whenever we talk about these extractions. I'm like, dude, that's the least of my worries. I'm like, it's so, that's just the tip of the iceberg, man, for my walk of holiness. So it's like, right. about the end of the day, like this four and a half years back in the Catholic Church, living a life that's abundantly just joyful and fruitful and fulfilling, you know, chaste or striving for chastity, at least like, I truly can proclaim that it has been the most peaceful, the most fulfilling, the most alive that I've been in my 24 years of life. Um, and I, I live out of my identity as a man of God, as the son of God. I live out of my belovedness. Like first and foremost, I'm not my struggles. You're not your struggles. We're not our, our struggles, our vices, our this, that, whatever. Like at the end of the day, we live in a world that's categorizing us. And it's like, no, like, all of these things obviously play a huge role in our perspective of life. Like if you're black, if you're white, if you're, you know, this, if you're that, like obviously all these things Hispanic play. Hispanic looking. Right. If you're Hispanic, if you're exactly, if you're Hispanic looking black. Right. That's a whole, exactly. Nathan, Nathan right here. Um, that's a whole conversation itself that we talked about. There's, there's context that guys, I promise. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, but first and foremost, like the enemy, I truly believe is trying to distract us from who we are at our core, which is like, sons and daughters. And so like, I live out of my belovedness. I live as a man of God, as a son of God. Am I in denial that I'm experiencing distraction? Absolutely not. Actually, I speak very publicly about it. Um, about three, four years ago, it was about six months into my journey. I received this image of a book opening up. And after praying on that, I realized it was the Lord telling me to share my story. So I asked for a Canon camera for Christmas, uh, Christmas 2018. And then January 2019, I posted my testimony on YouTube. I didn't know what I was going to say, what I where it was going to go. I just posted it, um, and it's still up. Please don't look at it. It is so cringy looking back. I got to trust the Lord did with it what He wanted. But um, I posted it on YouTube, and by the grace of God, it um, you know people started responding. You know, like I started very quickly recognizing getting messages from all over the world of people who were like, "I thought I was the only one." Like I thought. Yeah. I was the only man, the only woman who wants to live a Christian Catholic life, who wants to live a biblical life, you know, in regards to my sexuality. But I felt like I had no one who understood or who could support me in this and walk with me and pray with me. And so I started making more videos. Um, ministry online started growing. Eventually, I started a blog site called What a Beautiful Cross. And since then, it's just kind of blown up. Or by the grace of God, it's become a, a public ministry where I've been blessed to be able to speak all over the country, all over the world. Um, 
I've been supported by, you know, like Jason Evers Chastity Project, by Bishops, by Focus, Courage International, Catholic News AC, um, all these different beautiful ministries in the church. Um, and the reason I bring this up is not because of the acclaim, not because of, you know, what are the names? Like, it's not about that. The purpose is, though, I'm here to tell you that if you experience same-sex attraction in the church and you desire to live a holy, chaste life, or if you know someone who does, like, you are not alone. Like, I've met thousands of Catholics and Christians over the three, four years being in public ministry that get it, man. And like, we are here. And like, this is a part of the body of Christ that's aching, that is desperate for just tending to and like consolation and just being seen and being recognized and also being called onto holiness in this particular way. And so by the grace of God, I'm able to just give my life to that as of now, um, just being able to be a vessel and a voice. And yeah, the Lord is good. All glory be his. Um, and here we are now sharing the gospel and sharing the good news on your show. And I'm super blessed and humbled that you have me on. And yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation with you, man. So Lord is good. You. All glory be his. So that's awesome. I appreciate yeah, you sharing all that, man. I think yeah. it's really fun to me uh, how much I feel like there's a lot of similarities, obviously some stark differences in our journeys and our experiences, you know, even talking about the way that we grew up. Right. So you had family, you know, parents who were very involved in the church. I had parents who were not. I was basically an only child. You had many siblings. But it's crazy <laughs> how, you know, as far as where you really got me and where I really related was uh, thinking about like sin being fun. Um, and, and thinking about that, because when I was, I had kind of a crazy year, my crazy year was kind of like, I mean, this wasn't even a crazy year of my life, but I had a big year in like 2008, I was 14 to 15. And in that same year I had smoked weed for the first time, lost my virginity mm. and, uh, started drinking for the first time. Right. Uh, kind of in that order from 14 to 15. And basically from that, I remember like being in morality class at my Catholic school. And I always talk about how I had this, uh, it, I, I could be judgmental for this. I don't know. I haven't thought about it enough, probably. But we had this kind of like pretty unattractive, like 55 un unmarried woman uh, mm. telling us that like we shouldn't have sex, right? As 15 year old <laughs> boys. And I just remember like it was just hard for me, you know, kind of going through that. And that was kind of what my experience was a lot of times hearing from people who like either it seemed like they either like hadn't done it or like you have guys that, you know, even for me, it was like I had a bunch of dudes either leading retreats or whatever that like it was always a struggle for me and i forget where i heard about this more recently too where it's like if you have somebody that feels like they they can't do it it's like you you couldn't you know hook up with a girl or like even get a girl to make out with you and then they're telling you like calling you to chastity it just didn't have the same weight until i got to college and heard from like this junior senior guy who was an mm. athlete that i was like he was like yo i've done both you know what I mean? I'm telling you that this way is better. And that's what yeah. I think has been really powerful about my story. And I think is really powerful about yours is like, I mean, that, that was me, right? Like I, I did it. I had this playboy phase of high school into college and it was like, it was really fun. I enjoyed smoking weed. I enjoyed, you know, turning up. I enjoyed uh, <laughs> yeah, hooking up with different girls. Like I thought it was really enjoyable. And I think it's really powerful to say, but you know, what was better than that and what I learned was better than that over time. And it took a lot of time to shift away from that is this relationship with the Lord is, you know, holiness is joy, not just happiness. Right. Because even when it is fun, you still do have that hangover the day after where you realize, you know, you've used people, you've hurt people, you're being an idiot with your own life. And for me, it kind of was this call to excellence where I was like, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, I'm good at this, you know, for what, you know, uh, kind of the stereotypical black athlete lifestyle is supposed to be like. It's like, yeah, I can do that. 
Um, but I was like, there has to, but I feel like there has to be more to life, right? Like, I feel like this can't be it. And I was kind of in a similar way to you where I was going to mass that entire time, right? Like I kept, because I was a convert, like I never, since I could drive, since I got my driver's license, I never did not go to mass on Sunday. Right. And so like even being reckless party and doing all this crazy stuff, I was still going to mass and I was just like, you know, I, I was like, I'm doing this for a reason. And, and I'm obviously showing up and I, I want to have a relationship with God. And then you come to this point where I always tell people, I'm like, even if you're in the midst of your sin, keep doing the good things, keep going to mass, keep praying, because eventually you do come to a point where you realize you have to choose between the two. Amen. Right? And, and you're like, these, both of these can't happen at the same time. And you talked about that in your story in a beautiful way of like being like, okay, I'm either going to go hard in one direction or the other. But I always struggle with the people who I feel like are kind of lukewarm and are mm. kind of like dabbling in each, you know, but it's like, just go hard in, in whichever way you want to go. Cause then you'll realize like, this is really, really empty or this is really, really fulfilling, you know, but you, you gotta, I feel like just kind of dive into whatever your life philosophy is. No, to really dude. Twist it out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. I, yeah, no, I mean, dude, amen. I mean, that's literally like, that's how I see is even like there's people, you know, like there are public figures or certain people in the world that I don't agree with maybe what they stand for or what they, you know, are fighting for, but I'd rather you be like, if you're a politician, for example, Oh gosh, we're, we're talking about politics now, but it's like for politicians, for example, it's like at the end of the day, man, it's like, I would rather you be a politician who is committed to like for decades, I can go back and see that you've been fighting for the same thing consistently. Yeah. Then like for you to change your viewpoint every single election, it's like, dude, we know you're just like, it's like, go hard on one side. Like, it's like, just go hard on yeah, what you, pick. you know? Yeah. yeah. And so like, and it's like you said, I mean, I thank you for affirming, you know, what I was saying. Like, I just find it beautiful that. You know, the more I tell my testimony, I just, I know this is something that, that's why I like to emphasize it in my testimony, the reality of, yeah, like, especially as young people in the modern world, like, again, there's a reason why so many people are falling into fornication and reckless partying and things like that. Like, guys, it's not just because, like, obviously there is a certain sense of, you know, in the moment, it feels good. It feels, that's what sin is all about. Like, again, it doesn't make it good, doesn't justify it, but we right. wouldn't be committing the sin if we weren't attracted to it because of our broken nature, our, our human, our concupiscence because of the fall of Adam and Eve, our original parents. So it's like, yeah, I mean, that was a reality that I really had to come to terms with or just recognizing like, okay, man, like that, that happened. And the Lord allowed you, so he didn't will that for you, but he, he is so generous and so good with us. that He allows us to experience those things um, in a way so that then I could understand the greatness that the church does have to offer. Um, Cause it's like, you know, may he rest in peace, our beloved um, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, um, you know, his infamous quote, like you were not made for comfort, you're made for greatness. Like, it's like yeah. you said with, with excellence, like going back to seeking excellence, like your podcast name, like the reality was, I know that the life I was living it, you know, again, I wasn't miserable, but I wasn't doing excellent. And um, right. I know that the church coming to terms with the church and continuing to strive to live because it's ongoing conversion, right? We're continuously being formed. This is where excellence is like chastity as difficult as it is as, as yeah, the reality of like the denial of self that it is like through chastity, through the church's teachings on human sexuality in all aspects, not just homosexuality because newsflash, we're all called chastity. If we're not married. And even if you're married, it's still an element of chastity. Yeah. You can attest to this. Can confirm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like, um, the reality is, yeah, is it hard? Yeah, guys. But like, that's like difficulty and challenge. Like that is where excellence though is fostered. And like, um, 
it's just the reality of the cross, right? Like the cross is the bridge to resurrection. Like, is it heavy? Yes. Is it struggle? Yes. But there's a resurrection to be experienced through the cross that only can be experienced through the cross. And it's a joy and it's free. Like that is where freedom is. It's that weird dichotomy. Just like as humans, we hear this and we're like, oh, they sound so chained up. And so like, there's no yeah, way they're so actually, dumb. yeah, there's no way Manny's actually happy. There's no way. I hear that all right. the time. Like you're faking it. I'm like, bro, I wish I and was. You hear that, and you hear that from people who aren't happy. Yeah. Which is the great irony of it. Yeah. That's just crazy. But I think in a lot of evangelization efforts, we miss people like you and me 10 years ago, 15 years ago, or, you know, five years ago, because we, we hit so hard. A lot of people who haven't experienced a lot of those sins, not saying that they shouldn't evangelize by any means. I'm not saying that, but I think that they can get too heavy on the like, sin's not appealing you know what i mean and it's yeah. like no it really is you what you really have to build up is how much more appealing some of this other stuff is and i think the other thing we dropped big time in the church that you talked about kind of coming out of the gate when you uh first had the conversation with your parents is uh the reality of hell and i think that yeah. for me and for you i think for a lot of people like you kind of start you can start to kind of detach yourself from sin or at least kind of realize you know, at least start to weigh the pros and cons when you understand hell as a reality and you can think, okay, you know, I'm going to start to kind of maybe push away from this stuff for hell, but eventually you're, you're kind of, I would say you kind of leave sin because of hell, but you stay with God because of heaven, right? Like after mm. you start to experience that, like you want to experience heaven. So the fear of losing heaven becomes greater than the fear of, of, of hell over time. But at first I feel like if you're pretty rational and you believe in this stuff, like yeah. that's a pretty big motivator to be like, I should at least consider, you know what I mean? Like oh, what yeah. the outcomes of, of my actions are going to be because that's that's a, a eternity is a long time. Yeah, man. I, I loved what you just said. You better trademark that because I'm going to steal that if not. You need to write that down. You, yeah, you need to write that down and copyright that quick, man, because I'm going to steal it from future <laughs> talks. But I loved what you said. It just like, uh, what was it that you said initially? Like you, 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 you leave you, for fear of hell, but you stay for, for fear of losing heaven. Dude, good word, man. Good yeah. word. Yeah. And it's, that's how it was for me in many ways. It's just like, again, the reality of the Lord. I think he knew that. And not only do I need to experience his goodness, but I also need to experience the reality of, yeah, we're the reality of sin and the reality of eternity. And um, that motivated me too, of like, okay, if hell is this, if I looked at hell and I was like, okay, hell is this place I don't want to go. It's like, okay, if hell is this place I don't want to go, then why should I want to go to heaven? What does heaven have to offer me? Who in heaven is so good that I should desire to go there? And it forced me to then look at the face of Christ and be like, all right, you are apparently super good. And apparently this heaven place is where I want to go. So show me Jesus, like show me why I should desire you over this. Because there was even a point yeah. where I remember, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but where I would even rational, ra like create this rationale within myself. Like, well, maybe like hell isn't that bad. <laughs> like maybe this <laughs> earthly, maybe this earthly life, maybe it's going to be worth it because hell won't be as bad as we think it. And it's like, yeah. No, like, but that's not the purpose because or so, or rationalizing saying like it doesn't exist or everybody right, goes there. Right. Exactly. Be, that's for really, really bad people. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like and coming to the realization of like, no, hell does exist. It's not where you want to go. But ultimately, it's not where you want to go. Not because of these like scary demons or these flames. But like, no, it's not where you want to go. Is that is eternal separation from the one who you were made for. And so then it's coming to the realization of like, all right, who is this one that I was made for? Like, what is he about? Who is he? And then slowly over time, being able to dive into his heart and just explore the endless goodness of our God in his heart 
and his love. Um, and that dude, I'm four and a half years in and still, and that's what metanoia ongoing conversion for the rest of my life. Yep. I'm going to be continuously falling in love with Jesus and I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not going to pursue him perfectly. Um, I don't always choose him, but at the end of the day, like he's that good of just being like giving us each day to just fall deeper in love with him. It's, you know, it's, it's a grace. You know? The other thing, the other thing that's powerful with that too, even not even thinking about eternity, but just kind of looking ahead down the line is this is always great professional advice, right? Like when you're discerning which career path you want to go down or if you want to stay in a job or not, I've often heard, you know, look at the people who are 20 years ahead of you at your company and mm. like, do you want their lifestyle? Right. And I think for us, I think we both had this experience where it's like, I looked at guys who were, you know, 40, 50 years old, either divorced or still kind of being a playboy and stuff. And it's like, it's not, it's not cute. You know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's just not it. Like, that's not fulfilling, man. And you can see people who are 40, 50, 60 years old, still living an active, you know, homosexual yeah. lifestyle. And, and I mean, I, I don't, I can't imagine that's appealing to most people who really honestly consider it. Right. And so that, that for me is something that's really important too, is having the honesty with yourself to look down the line and for me, a lot of that was my dad of, of thinking about his lifestyle mm -hmm. and the way he continued to live over time. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to be him when I grow up. So I'm like, all right, if I don't want to be ex this person, that person, or this person when I'm 50, 60, or 70, why am I being them when I'm 25, 26, mm -hmm. 27? You know? Mm -hmm. And that's just simple math. And it's like, if you don't want to end up that way, understanding this was Sarah Swaffer was really big for me in this when she talked about the altar switch that a lot of people think that there's going to be some point in your life when you're going to get married, that you flip a switch at the altar and you suddenly become the man or woman that you want yeah. to be. And yeah. I'm just, I'm eternally grateful now uh, to the work the Lord's done to me and, and my willingness to cooperate with him, you know, albeit, you know, very minimal at times um, over the last 10 years, now that I am married, now that I am, you know, my wife's pregnant, we have a child on the way. It's, it's I'm just so grateful that I, I did some of that work, you know what I mean? And allowed the Lord to, to come into my heart, into my life and, um, make me into the man that I'm much more ready and excited to be a father now and, and much less afraid of repeating some of the many, you know, ancestral mistakes and, and sins of our past. Um, now, because I was able to do that and I had the maturity to be like, all right, Lord, like, let's sit down and, and weigh the options here. And it, and then it just doesn't even make any sense, right. To stay in the lifestyle you're currently living. If that's a lifestyle of sin. Absolutely, man. I mean, First of all, just praise God, right? And like, praise God Absolutely. for also, I'm so excited for you to be dead and for Emily to be a mom. It's super Thank cool. You say. It's going to be so good, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think honestly, Nathan, like this is where to be real with you, this is why I'm so motivated in my own example um, is because of the reality that let's be real. We don't have a ton of examples within the church of men, of women who are pursuing chastity and experiencing its extraction and are who are living, who have no, lived decades of a joyful, fulfilled life in the church. Like the reality is, um, I think why so many people leave the church is because we look at the world um, in regards to this issue, in regards to, you know, the conversation around LGBT plus issues. We look at the world and we see a plethora of celebrities, TV shows, characters, you know, like all these examples of people who, you know, um, are in same-sex relationships, you know, have been in relationships for decades and seem pretty content, pretty satisfied, pretty happy, right? Like we see all the gay couples who are married, you know, and, you know, like living their best lives. And you look at that and you're like, okay, that's awesome. I see what the world has offered me. But then you look at the church and we don't have enough of that, where we don't have a canonized saint who openly yeah. experiences extraction. We don't have, and 
hot take. I think we have Ken I Saints who did. They just weren't open about it because back in the day, though, you didn't. Yeah. Why were you open about it? It was like it wasn't an identity thing. But um, and so for me, that's a huge motivator for me. But exactly what you said of like, I want yeah. to be that example. Like I feel the Lord calling me to be that example of like. I want people to see that this life is not only possible, but it is good. It is fulfilling, especially as someone who came from what the world has to offer. I can affirm like, yeah, the world has some exciting things. Sure. But like the Catholic church, though, doesn't just have excitement. Like it has excellence and it has holiness. And like, and so that's why in my own life, I strive, right? I fail, but I'm striving. I'm continuing to strive. And I hope then the decades to come, like my life can just be a witness through God's grace of like, no, like, there is a good, good call through the church's um, invitation and chastity for all of us. I mean, we do. We need that more on your end as well. Like we need men who are also attracted to women, women who are also attracted to men who are also proving that, who are showing exactly what you said that like, no, chastity right. is fulfilling. You don't need to be a playboy. You don't need to be a whore. Like you don't need to be these things to like live. A f- like chastity is good, man. Like we need more yeah. examples of that. It's the move, as they say. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I think I, I think that's a hundred percent true, right? Like, I mean, I, I can imagine how difficult that is to not have the people that you can look to and be like, and I because I felt that I felt it for a short period of time. I think you're going to feel it for much longer. Um, and uh, yeah, for me, it was a short period of time because I didn't see. I grew up with just so many people were divorced. Like I didn't see a lot of like happily married older Catholic couples. You know what I mean? When I was teenager to early twenties. And then now I see it in abundance and I'm really glad that I have that. And I'm really glad that I um, made the choices that I did now to be able to meet these people and see them, you know, and be like, wow, you know, it was kind of a affirmation, but I do feel like to a certain point, like the Lord called me out into it before I had really gotten to see like, are these people even happier, you know, but Mm -hmm. I kind of just, I always say like, I started my journey really with focusing on what I did not want before I even knew what I did want. Um, mm. And so trying to avoid those things. But I want to ask you about the, the question that you read about in our outline that made no sense that I'll try to elaborate <laughs> and <laughs> speak it coherently now. <laughs> so I feel like whenever I've talked about this, uh, you know, same sex attraction in the past, the one thing I, I really, I wouldn't say pride myself is not a good way to say that. I, um, I don't know if enjoyment enjoyment sounds bad too, but I often, I'll just say I do it. I won't say what, if I, uh, you know, get enjoyment from it, but I often call people out on their BS is, is one of my, mm. I think strengths um, to see it. And then also strengths to have like the courage to do it. And I think, uh, you know, I do it with feminism. I do it with BLM. I do it obviously with myself and things that I've been convicted on in the past. Mm. But the, the, one of the challenges I have when it comes to evangelizing people experiencing same sex attraction is I've often had in my conversations with people, um, especially people who have confided in me or told me or, or have been publicly, you know, um, said that they um, have same sex attraction is I feel like there's this combination of wanting to both not be treated unique and like mm-hmm. kind of as an other and requiring or expressing that they desperately want to be treated as unique or other. And this is what I mean by that. Sometimes when same sex, when homosexuality is referred to as a sin or talked about from the pulpit or in talks or whatever it might be, the complaint oftentimes is that it's treated as this kind of like exclusive other sin, right? As we're like heterosexual, you know, fornication, adultery is like down here. And then you have like homosexuality is just like a whole different level, you know, so damnable compared to the other ones that are kind of lighter, right? Because they're more normal. And I get not liking that, right? I Mm. definitely understand that. But then it's like, okay, well, let's just like kind of include it with all the other ones. But then 
I feel like a lot of times when it is talked about, even very gently, even when talked about in the same kind of realm as all these other sins, then it's like, no, it actually has to be talked about kind of on a lower level and mm. like with much more tenderness. And it has to mm. have like all these caveats and disclaimers. And it's like, okay, I thought first you wanted it to be talked about as all the other ones are. So we talked about it in regards to masturbation, fornication, pornography, right, right. adultery. And, and you know homosexuality and then when it's there it's like no that wasn't good either you have to and it's like so you don't want to be treated special in a bad way you want to be treated special in a good way this is right. the same issues i have with feminism a lot of times too is it's like right. you want to be equal until the equal is not pleasurable or you know or enjoyable <laughs> then it's Absolutely. like no you want to be right. unequal and treated special so what, do, you, do you am i making sense do you have yeah thoughts man on that? no dude i love how you're like totally discrediting yourself i'm like i'm ignore, i'm like i'm totally picking up weird people putting down i totally understand I think what you're I wrote saying. it really badly and no the, dude in I, dude no no i i totally got what you're saying man and i mean in many ways i see i see exactly what you're talking about um i think how i stand i guess my personal stance on it um because first of all i can affirm what you're saying like i've heard people say talk about it like you know treat me like any other catholic but then at the same time they then you know call themselves gay catholics and they want you to see them as a gay and it's like okay right. well then are like are we all like what are we different types of Catholics then? I don't you know, so it's like um I know exactly what you're talking about. I think how I see it is the reality is I do think from my personal experience, what people mean when they say that homosexuality has been elevated, right, above the sexual sins when it, in regards to when it's being talked about. Um, I think it's just the reality of there is a there is a taboo, just in general, when it comes to sex in the church. We're oftentimes pretty awkward, pretty weird about it, which is ironic right. because our popes, though, and our like the church herself, it's actually like sex is a gift. And like the way we should be talking about this is like a gift and beautiful. And I think we've gotten better as a church. Like I think we have speakers like, you know, Jackie Angel, Sarah Swap. Like things are, conversations are happening within the church by the grace of God over the past few decades that like also through JP2 and theology of the body that like sex as a whole is being talked about in a way that's more, I guess, um, seeing the beauty of the church's teachings, not necessarily like don't have sex before marriage because you are, you know, it's like, but then when it comes to homosexuality though, oftentimes it can feel like it's not yep. on that same, pl where it's not like, we're not talking about it as a, um, you know, um, well, this is because the church teaches this about the body and this about human dignity, you know, this about the gift of sexuality and this is why we believe it. Oftentimes it can be more like, no, you can't, it's a lot of no's rather than a lot of, of yeses. You know, like exactly. it's a lot of like, and so I think when it comes to chastity as a whole, whether it's heterosexual, homosexual, I think that's why people say we need to even the playing field is in the sense of when we talk about this, um, just sexuality in general, the reality is we're all called to chastity. Um, and so when I, when I, when you talk about homosexuality for me, I want you to talk about the reality that if you call me to chastity, also be real the fact that everyone in this room, if they are not married, and even when they're married, there's a certain level of chastity that's expected and that they're called to. Um, because I think why so many people experience this attraction feel like there's a hypocrisy and feel like there's an elevation in regards to homosexuality is because the reality is there's a lot of people who also are not living chastely, who are, I guess, heterosexual or who are attracted to the opposite sex that nobody talks about. So we're so quick to be like, oh, there's, because it's more externally obvious, we can be like, oh, there's two gay, you know, there's a gay couple. Everybody hop on that and let them know that they're not being chased and they, you know, X, Y, Z, but yet we're a lot less inclined to, if there's a guy and a girl in high school, 
we're a lot less inclined to talk to them about chastity or to ask them if they're sleepy with one another or to, you know, and so I think that's why people can feel like it's, it's not fair in the sense of like, it's elevated. Um, because oftentimes I can say from my own personal experience, um, oftentimes I hear when it comes to homosexuality, all we talk about is like chastity and like the importance of that. But then when it comes to like heterosexuality, like we'll hear about chastity, but we also don't talk about the reality that there's probably a lot of people in the room who are fornicating or who are watching porn or who are, and then it's like, okay, we gotta be real here. If we're going to talk about chastity with homosexuality, we gotta talk about chastity in all aspects. Um, and then I guess though, that should we be treated differently? It's hard because I have come, I used to be in the playing field where I used to be like, like, you know, like, Oh, like we're all called a chastity. We're all, you know, walking the same walk, you know? Yay. But it's like, the reality is I think I've come to realize being four and a half years into this life that the church has called me to that my circumstance, um, while it's not necessarily rare, cause there's a lot of us, a lot more of us in the church than you realize. Um, the reality is you are married. Most people in the church are either married or priests or nuns. And the reality is for those of you who are priests, those of you who are nuns, those of you who are married, there is a certain support that is offered to you in your mm-hmm. community, in your homes, things like that, that for me is not offered as tangibly. Like the reality is, like, for example, my future 10 years down the line, do I join a lay community? Do I just live single in my apartment with a bunch of cats? It's like, there are those questions of like, for me living chastely, it would be foolish to say that me living chastely looks the same as you yeah. or a priest living chastely because sure. it's not, you know? And so um, whether or not, you know, the whole question of is singleness vocation, that's a whole conversation itself. But I guess what I can tell you, Nathan, cause I'm kind of like spewing a lot is I am at, I'm at the viewpoint that I do think there is a way that we should not only talk about homosexuality, but also walk with our brothers and sisters who experience same-sex attraction. That is unique. I think that the way that I'm going to walk with my brother and my sister who experiences same-sex attraction is different than the way I'm going to walk with my brother or sister who maybe is attracted to opposite sex, but struggles with pornography or with, you know, lust or with fornication. Like to me, I do think there is a difference um, in the sense of, acknowledging the reality that this cross in a particular way is different and this person needs community and needs love in a way that they might not like we experience love ultimately through our friendships i will not be in i will not be in a romantic relationship i will not be engaged in sexual activity like there is a certain intimacy that i will not experience and so because of that it's almost like through my friendships and through my community i need that extra not tending to, because then that sounds like we're like these special, like, oh, what was you pity party? It's like, no, but like just acknowledging the reality that like I, you're my, you guys, I experienced love through my community in a very particular way that someone who's married or someone who's a priest or a nun might not rely on as much because they have their order, they yeah. have their wife, they have their family, you know? Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of yeah, where I absolutely. Stay. I think, and there's two things in there. Um, that I wanted to point out too is one is I think, and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you by any means that um, one's talked about more than the other um, because I think it's hard to say, but I think one thing I've seen myself get caught up in and that I feel like sometimes I've seen people with same sex attraction get caught up in. And I, I still get caught in this. I have to evaluate this all the time is we have kind of this like bias towards the things that we're more, uh, I don't want to say triggered by, but 
more worked up about or more personally, uh, you know, convicted by. Right. And so for me, like when I get, I get on these hot topics of things, right. And Emily knows this and I, and these are from political to economic things to church things. And it's, naturally, like I see them more in the world. I think about them more. I hear more things about them when I'm thinking about, or like on this hot topic, right? Like it just kind of happens. And I've talked about this when I wrote, you know, almost three years ago now, really about racism and BLM and Mm kind of when things were happening with George Floyd uh, dying, I was talking about how, like, if you're looking for racism, you're going to see it all over the place, right? If you're looking for these things. And so that's what I think we have to just be careful of and try to really honestly evaluate to say, okay, Am I really hearing about this more or am I just I hear it a lot more when it when it happens, mm-hmm. you know, and so it feels like it's happening more than it is. And then the, the other thing I think, too, is just the grace that we have to work together. Obviously, we're all together in this, but I would just encourage people, too, who are experiencing same sex attraction that are kind of like flirting with coming back to the church and understanding that, like you said, um, the church has never been in an environment before where this it's so encouraged. Right, like where, where this is so embraced and encouraged by all of society, because um, society, even secular society, before helped to kind of like, and I won't say helped because obviously there's a lot of negative things and bad things that were happening and still happening today in places like the Middle East and in parts of Asia and in Africa too, um, and, and even here, but obviously not to the level of violence. I don't think here that you see there, um, but. Nevertheless, what I'm saying is that the church is in, a, in in uncharted territory as well, right? So Absolutely. we're figuring out everything you're talking about, you know, how do we, you know, accompany these people and uh, people struggling with this stuff and um, really do this in a loving way that still commit, you know, honors the truth uh, without any, not just without the support of society, but with society actively attacking and encouraging all of that as well. Because when you see the Father James Martins of the world, um, I was reading, I don't know how much you know about Chris Damien. I was reading some of his stuff earlier yeah, today. Yeah. And when you see that kind of stuff, when people are just like encouraging from a Catholic perspective, people just embrace, live this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had Kim Zember on the podcast before too. And oh, in her, her book, she talks about having priests tell her like, it's okay. Just do, do what you want. Do what you feel like is mm-hmm. right. That that's hard to not overreact back against, right? Um, Absolutely. In ways that can be um, damaging to people's relationship with God. So I think this is where I always often encourage people, like we need more mental resilience to be able to hear people and be like, he could have said that differently, but I think his point's right. And to like reach out and say, you know, say, hey, I would kind of tweak this in the future, which I think Mm. you do a good job of. You've done that to me before. Um, (laughs) And you can say, hey, let's let's tweak this. Um, And... (laughs) But I think you're on the right track, you know, but maybe go about it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to have, you know, the, I think some leeway and, and secular world today doesn't have any leeway, right? There is, if you say one thing wrong, like you're done. And so I think in the church and even people who are kind of like flirting with coming back to the church, I don't think, I think that some people think that uh, if they get right offended enough that they'll be able to justify living however they want to God. Yeah. No. At their final judgment, and I think that's a bad <laughs> defense. Oh, plan. dude, that's so. <laughs> you know, our God at the yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, this is the beauty of the fact that neither of us are God. We don't know how judgment mm-hmm. works. I don't know how God judges. I don't know any of that. But the reality is, yeah. I mean, I think um, absolutely, you are a hundred percent right, and I affirm you a hundred percent in the reality that, especially in this day and age in the church, um, I tell people all the time, like I believe that by the grace of God, like. There is a wall right now that I'm one of the many who are getting our hands dirty and bloody, tearing down the bricks. 
so that future saints don't have to go, you know, don't have to worry as much walking through, you know, because that wall will be torn down. But the reality is right now, as you said, we haven't really had to do this work in recent history, like ever in the church. Like there's never been a point where so quickly the world's view has changed, whereas a church we've almost had to respond in less than a century to this radical shift of life and of marriage and of sexuality. And I mean, that's the core of society too, right? Like the society is built on the family. And so quickly our world has completely just twisted what we have believed throughout humanity to be just basic fundamental understanding of humanity and of human society. So because of that, it is wrong. I think unfair of us in the, in the pews um, to be, so quick to be impatient and to be like, oh, you should respond this way. You should have known better. You should. It's like, bro, like we literally have priests that have been alive in the same time period as like 30 years ago when homosexuality was like illegal or like 50 years ago when homosexuality was illegal in the US to now all of a right. sudden, you know, it's like if you're not on board with it, you're like a homophobe. It's like that's almost that's, illegal. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, yeah, it's like. That's also unfair. And I, I, it's like you said, we have to be able to, as rare as this is in our world today, be able to have that mental resilience and be able to humble ourselves too of like, again, also not making this a whole pity party and a whole like, woe is us. We're so, we're this special flock in the church that you have to respond to us in this way. And if you don't, you hate, it's like, bro, like people are learning, people are listening. For me, that's what's important though, is if you're here, I don't care if you're, maybe using language that offends me if you, you know, like at the end of the day, as long as you're willing to listen and receive, like, and also call me on, like, it's a mutual thing. Like if I'm saying things, if I'm approaching things that maybe aren't in alignment with the church or aren't the most charitable, or aren't the most truthful, or aren't the most loving, call me on. And as long as you're also in a place where you can be like, I receive you, Manny, maybe I don't agree with you. Maybe I want to tweak this, but like, like what you did, like, that was awesome. Like, it's like, that is what's important. As long as we as a church are able to just, be willing to listen and receive again, not compromise. We can't compromise truth. We can't compromise church teaching. So if people are telling us we should be telling people it's okay to go against church teaching, then it's like, no, like that's, that's compromise. But at the same time, like, I think especially just when it comes to this conversation, what the church, what we need to continue to work on. And by the grace of God, I think the church is doing better and better at this through Kim Zember, through myself, through Courage International, Eat Invitation, all these beautiful resources that are coming up in the church. Um, it's just the reality of recognizing the human person that I think, um, when it comes to any topic, um, you know, pornography, masturbation, same sex attraction, fornication, lust, whatever, when it comes to sexual sin in general, we just have to recognize that we live in a world today that is pressing for the human person to go against their body, to go against God's plan for human sexuality. And so therefore, um, we have to recognize that this is something, especially young people are being bombarded with on all ends. And so the way we go about this is obviously we speak truth where we speak righteousness. We uphold that aspect of love, right? Cause Corinthians makes it clear. Love is not love without truth, but then also recognize mm-hmm. that these are people though, who yes, call them on. Yes. Call them into holiness, call them into greatness, but also recognize they're struggling. So if it's somebody struggling with pornography, Tell him he needs to work through that and needs to break that, but also recognize that he's probably really struggling to break that. Or like if it's a guy or girl struggling with same-sex extraction, yes, call him on holiness, call him on chastity, but also recognize that it's, pro- it's hard. Like the reality is chastity is difficult and we have to, 
again, we can't be complacent. We, especially men, we need to call men on of like, be a man, like be like, do this, like be a man, like do this in a way that a man of God would, but at the same time, recognize that there's a struggle. There's a battle going on and yeah, just, I guess, being willing to accompany each other through. Um, so for me, don't just tell me it needs to look chastely, actually be willing to walk with me to pursue chastity. So like, if you're going to tell somebody who experienced safe extraction, you're going to post in your Instagram story, like live a chaste life, you know, then also give them resources for like community that can help them. Right. It's like, don't just tell a guy like, don't watch porn. And then just like, all right, peace. It's like, what? Like that doesn't even make like, don't watch porn brother. Here's how I can walk with you to like try and resist, you know, like sister, like this is how I can walk with you to resist a lot. Like, equip one another that's what we're here for you know be one another sign with sirens you know 100 um, percent. i love so, it i wouldn't all right so the last thing i want to ask you about is you talked you you kind of dabbled in this this is one of my questions beforehand when you were talking about your story is uh kind of venturing off into some other denominations you could even call them i wrote that i was when i was writing it down again to kind of ask you about it i wrote down um like exploring other faiths and i was like mm-hmm. should i say other faiths other denominations and i'm like so like a church, a, a church, quote unquote, that goes so far as to like redefine sexuality to redefine marriage, I think is a different faith. Like I, mm. I almost, I think there's a, a deeper philosophical theological argument that you argue mm. there. Like yeah, probably a whole other layer there. Yeah. yeah, we don't need yeah. to argue that necessarily. But I'm curious to know for you, kind of venturing out into that, like you, you said, you know, I know this isn't the fullness of truth. Like, how did you know that, and like, what brought you back home? to Catholicism, because I can only imagine how difficult that must be um, and how tempting it must be to just, yeah. I, I mean, even even think of how many divorced, I, I know, you know, have family members um, mm-hmm. that that get divorced and you can't get an annulment. And so they just start yeah. going to a different church, yeah. you know? And so, yeah. So tell me about like what brought you back to, to Catholicism. Yeah. I mean, great question, man. I mean, um, I think honestly, Nathan, my initial response, and it's funny, this is my initial response because my initial response is the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Holy Spirit is telling me to respond. So it's funny I'm responding to you with his name. He's so like, it's just funny that he's like, say me, say me. Um, but my initial, like what I'm convicted to respond to is the Holy Spirit in the sense of through my baptism, right? Like through our baptism, we believe like we are, that is the first avenue of grace that we received. And the Holy Spirit really through my baptism as a child, he etched his name onto my heart. So whether I wanted him there or not, the Holy Spirit has been with me since I've been baptized. So that in and of itself, there's a certain, you can call it what you want, conscious, whatever. Um, no, it's the Holy Spirit, actually. Don't call it what you want. He has a name. It's the Holy Spirit. He has been in the back speaking and listening. So I think automatically my initial response is, I've heard this from so many Catholics and Christians that I've spoken to as well who have had reversions similar to mine, is the reality of like, I don't know about you, but like the reality of like, um, when we're living a life of sin, like even if we don't want to think this, we know that what we're doing is wrong. Like we know, like as baptized Christians, as baptized Catholics, we know oftentimes that we were made for more and that, you know, whether you had heard it from church or not, you just know. It's just like this interior, like the Holy Spirit knocking at your heart. Like, you know that you were made for more than this. And so I would say it's a mixture of the Holy Spirit from my baptism. I think also just the reality that I had heard homosexuality, you know, like I had heard what the church had taught previously. Mm-hmm. Again, I had spoken to that priest. I'd heard about it um, probably a few times through like religious education and church. So I knew what the church taught. I had the Holy Spirit on me. 
And I think also just the reality too of like, um, yeah, actually I would say those two. I would say that was what initially drew me was the inner Holy Spirit within me kind of calling me into like, you were made for more. And also just the reality of I had prior knowledge of what the church taught. I knew that I was made for more, whether or not I agreed with it, I wanted to believe it. I think deep, deep down, my heart knew no matter what guy I was with, no matter who I was sleeping with, what relationship I was with, I knew that I was made for more than that. Um, and thanks be to God that the Holy Spirit is that generous that no matter where we're at, he continues to just press in and continues to remain in our heart in that way. Um, and so going to these, these denominations, these places, whatever you want to call them, um, that were, you know, preaching something to me that was contrary to the Catholic church's faith. Um, I think it was that, it was that internal, just, um, I guess just, yeah, the Holy Spirit. I just, I don't know. I, I knew, I don't yeah. know how to explain it. I just knew that they would tell me, you know, like you're saved by grace. So you're good. And I would just sit there and be like, but this isn't what the gospel says. This isn't what the word of God says. This isn't what the deposit of faith makes clear. It's like I had by the grace of God because of my parents, I had that prior knowledge of like, no, like God doesn't, that's not the fullness. Like, yeah, we're saved by grace, but we also respond to grace through our works, through our actions. Like it's, yeah. there's a response. Your response matters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think it was just by the grace of God, my, my upbringing and the Holy Spirit and just the formation I had that I knew that I would, there was a response that was necessary. You can't just say you love Jesus Christ, but not respond. Like, it's like your words are empty if your actions in your life isn't a response that's in alignment with what you're saying. Right. Um, and so I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I mean, no, I, I, yeah, I think, I think it does. And I think the, the beauty of that, this kind of like intuition, uh, you know, the movements of the Holy spirit, I think our society, I often complain about us being too nice in today's mm -hmm. world, which is why you see me venture out into being not kind enough, you know, every <laughs> now and then. um, but I think that, uh, one of the problems with that is that we underestimate how many people choose to ignore mm. that knowing. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's really hard. It's part of the mystery of the, you know, the human experience and evangelization that we don't know what percentage of people who are not living um, Christian lives are choosing to ignore it. Mm. But I think one thing that I've learned over time is that it's a lot higher than you think. Yeah. And, and I think that's good. I think it's good that we're so goodwilled and that we like see the good in other people so much. But one thing I struggled with, and, and you might be able to relate to this is when I was coming out of, you know, living really, really recklessly in, in college, um, in my early college years and in high school, like when I started to encounter the Lord, I was like, no way he pursues everybody this way because mm. I'm like, who could say no to this, right? Mm. Like these experiences and these encounters that I've had, like who could deny this, who could say no to this. And mm. there's two things that I think are simultaneously true in that one is that he does not pursue everybody in the same way. Um, which is also hard for our nice hearts to accept and understand. <laughs> right, right. right. And, and then two, there's a lot of people who do get pursued similarly, or at least uh, enough, right? I mean, you could argue that God pursues everybody enough, right? That they would respond um, because he's not just like abandoning people, right? Like he's working in everybody's lives in different ways. Um, but that they, they just choose to say no, right? They choose yeah. to ignore it. They choose to live however they want. They choose to put themselves in God's place and say, no, I'm going to choose to, to walk away. And it's so tough because I think so often when we make this like 
benefit of the doubt assumption for people. We we really are excusing ourselves from having to have the hard conversation to say, mm. you know, not that we need to have it over and over again. Like you said, your parents did it really well, but we excuse ourselves from ever having to have it at all, whether it be mm. same-sex attraction, adultery, divorce, uh, living with your girlfriend, you know, all these different t- realms of sin, or just leaving the Catholic church for whatever reason, right? Where it's like, well, they're kind of on their own journey and like, God must have, you know, be speaking to me or have shown me things that they don't know. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, sometimes, dog, they just chose to just be like, I'm going to do oh, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, yeah, absolutely. There's there's a difference between, um, I think, because as Christians, obviously, we're called to charity, right? So, like, that is part of love. But at the same time, charity does not equal complacency. Charity does not equal permissiveness or omission. Because as Catholics, right. we also know that omission is actually sinful on our end. So at the same time, in the name of kindness, I can't also let you go to hell. I mean, that's just not, that's not kindness because ultimately that's not loving you. Because if I loved you that much, I would actually call you upwards. So it's like just being able as Catholics and as Christians to be able to recognize the reality of what love is and its wholeness, which is truth, is charity, and be able to find that balance. And the difficult thing though, is that I think this is where we struggle, especially in these hard moral conversations is like um, speak truth, but then like, how do I go about speaking truth, but then also being charitable? Cause some people are like, well, I'm not charitable enough. And then some people are like, well, I'm not being honest enough. And so how I kind of say is just like, look, dude, like be honest, like be like, we, we do not need, especially if you're a priest, especially if you have a caller, don't even get me started. Do not tell me that the, like, you better not tell me that like it is okay to venture off from the church and to go live a life that is contrary to church teaching. That is, you are not doing your job as a shepherd and no, you will be held accountable to that. Yeah. Very bad. So, <laughs> so when I hear stories like Kim's, cause like Kim and I are good friends. Like when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, no, like as a priest, as a shepherd, especially absolutely call people on, to, on hire and same as, as lay people, we need to be calling people higher. Um, but again, there's a way, have that invitation. Don't present it as a bunch of no's present it as like a yes. And then if you're going to post your story, you know, like this is truth, whatever, then just have a second slide that says like, again, this is how you can go about pursuing this. Here are resources in the church that can help you pursue this. Don't just let it be a, here's truth, go off, do your thing. You know, good luck to you. Hope I see you in heaven. Like, no, let it be a, here's, <laughs> here's truth. And like, we are on this journey together. And like, you need a Simon of Cyrene. I need a Simon of Cyrene. Here's how we can walk together. Here's how we can, you know, pursue this together. Um, I believe that, especially when it comes to the topic of homosexuality, that is what so many people need is we just need, just like everyone really, we just need assignment. We need someone who's willing to be like, hey, I want to walk with you. I want to pray with you. I don't want to just push you aside and be like, go live chastely now. Have fun. Like It's like, dude, that sucks. No wonder nobody, because like I'll say the one thing that I think the secular LGBT plus spaces do a phenomenal job of, if we have to give them credit to something, it's just being a space where anybody can show up, except people like me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> at the same time, then if I show up, Not I'm anyone. screwed because yeah. everyone's going to look at me like I'm crazy. But right. for the most part, it's like anybody can show That's up funny. and they're like, there's an embrace. Whereas in the church, people, I think, are oftentimes hesitant to embrace because we're scared of like, again, is this omissive? Am I permitting? Uh, but again, be, we just have to be clear on like that embrace, though, does not mean embracing. Like there's an extent where the embrace needs right. to be. That's the hard there, part. Yeah. The LGBT community has the benefit of there's no rules. Right, right. So and, it's easy to accept right. anybody at any time for any reason. Right. You know what I mean? Best Catholics, is you, have to be, you have to agree that there's no rules, which is why you can't come. <laughs> isn't that, well, that's, that's the irony of the world we live in is that truth is relative. 
until truth is no longer relative. It's yeah. like, like, yeah, yeah, I think about that often. It's like, um, you know, I've had people who are like from L- like secular LGBT plus spaces who are very kind to me, who are very receptive. Like I have loved ones who know my ministry and are very kind to me. So I'm not generalizing that all of them are this way, but yeah. I would be curious the reality of like, if I showed up to a pride parade and had a sign that said chastity is good, like what would the response, like, bro, I'd be looked at like, I'm cra- like people look at me like I'm crazy. So it's like, you know, um, yeah. But if anything, it just motivates me as a Catholic and as a disciple to show like, no, like truth is not relative. Truth has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. And he is good and he's calling you to something good. And like this life that the church has to offer you is fulfilling and is good. And believe it or not, like it will satisfy you. Um, yeah. So yeah, man, God's good. I love it <laughs> that he is. That's amazing, man. Well, it's been great getting to talk to you. Thanks so much Sorry. for joining uh, the podcast and me today. And then, yeah, is there anything you want to talk about, you know, things you're doing at, at Franciscan or um, elsewhere that you want to tell people about? Yeah, thank you, Nathan. First of all, it's been, it's, it's been such a blessing, man. I'm so thankful for you having me on the show. Uh, dude, you're fiery and I love it. I love your zeal. I love your drive. I, I think you represent the Lord well. So first of all, thank you for just having me here. And uh, yeah, I'm a words of affirmation guy. So thank you for just having me here. God's good. Um, yeah, Absolutely. so guys, so as Nathan said, um, I'm currently actually working at Franciscan University of Steubenville, getting my, I got my undergrad there as a social worker, and now I'm getting my master's degree there as a catechetics and evangelization uh, major. And while I'm there, I'm actually running a ministry on our campus um, on behalf of the university that is for Franciscan students who experience same-sex extraction and are looking to strive to live chastely according to our teachings. So first and foremost, if you guys could pray for me and my work there. Um, but then along with that, I do have my own public ministry aside from that, that I do run that you can follow me on. So um, I have a website um, called What a Beautiful Cross. That usually if you just Google like What a Beautiful Cross, Manny can also come up and I'll have Nathan linked as well. Um, I also have an Instagram that I'm very active on um, at call me Manny with two extra Ys at the end. So three Ys total. Um, Nathan and I were struggling with this earlier. So three wise, three wise total. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram. Um, you can check out my website. On my website, I've linked all the different shows and platforms I've been on. Um, I have tons of interviews out on YouTube. Usually if you just look up like Manny Gonzalez Catholic or Manny Gonzalez same-sex extraction, it'll come up. Um, yeah. And then as well as that, um, I first and foremost just ask you listeners, if you could please just pray for me and my own ministry, my own journey with the Lord. Um, I ask for your prayers. Um, I'll be praying for you guys. Um, yeah. And I guess, I'm sorry, last thing, just the last plug. Um, as well, if you're ever interested in having me on your platform or on your show or come speak to your parish or whatever, on my website, I also have a contact page that however I'm able to, you know, assist and just be a beacon and yeah, have the conversation with you in your parish or your conference or whatever. I'm more than open to it. So Lord is good. All glory be his. I love it. Thanks so much, Manny. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation, and we look forward to having you back in the future. God bless. Amen. God bless you guys.